This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, that weather forecast for today is going to create almost tropical-like weather conditions, according to uh, Met Aaron, uh, because we're going to have wet weather, but we're going to have high temperatures as well. So the rest of this, right across this week, uh, we're going to have unsettled, humid weather, and it will continue right up to and including next week. Most days, the temperatures are going to be 17, 18, could actually go to 20 degrees. Celsius by uh, Thursday but that would be mixed with rain but there will be some sunny spells as well so if there's any of the sunny spells uh, get out and do your best and enjoy them uh, John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103 you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and let's start the programme by congratulating some Cork people starting with our Cork hurlers they roared back into the Munster Hurling Championship contention uh, yesterday, thanks to a win over Water, Waterford, with many saying that the that an even more the the win was even more commanding than the six point margin of victory suggested. It finished up Waterford one nineteen, Cork two twenty two, and it was the first provincial championship win for Cork at Welsh Park since last they met at that venue in competition and that was back in 1975. Cork will now take on tip in Semple Stadium uh, while Waterford must pick themselves up. They'll head to Cusick Park next Sunday for a match of course that they must win. So well done to the Cork Hurlers. And can I also send congratulations to Mairead Brennan a native of Glantam. Mairead on Saturday night was crowned as the 2022 Sydney Rose of Tralee. And we actually, on Friday, somebody had sent in the name of somebody else who was taking part in the Sydney Rose of Tralee selection. And after I mentioned the first young girl, somebody sent in a text saying, oh, while you're at it, send best wishes to Mairead Benham from Glantam because she's also in contention and she walked away with the top prize. Mairead, who is known as Maud, is a registered nurse. She's been living in Sydney since January of 20. 21. I was uh, reading online she's going into her she will be going into her third uh, holiday working holiday visa and she's hoping to take up residency in 
Sydney in Australia but she'll be back with us for the Rose of Trilly selection later on in the year but congratulations uh, Mairead Brennan of Glantan and somebody has pointed out to me that she has she's a niece of Dr Kevin Brennan in uh, Mallow if people are trying to join the dots and I'm assuming there's a bit of celebration going on in Mill Street today with the fantastic news that last Friday last Friday was Friday the 13th and I did say on the programme that it's you know unlucky for some but maybe it would prove lucky for others well it certainly has proved lucky for someone or some group of people because the National Lottery have confirmed that a winning ticket was sold in Coleman's Centre store in Mill Street and the win is they've scooped a top prize of a half a million euro in the Euro Millions. The ticket was sold on Friday at Coleman's Centra store in Mill Street and Mary Coleman speaking to the Echo uh, runs the family Centra store along with her husband John said they're over the moon to hear that one of her customers is picking up this prize of half half a million it's their third big Euro Millions win if you remember that was the shop that sold a 9.6 million Euro Millions ticket back in 2006 and they also had another half a million Euro win almost on the same day it was May the 14th back in uh, 2010 so if you purchased a ticket in Coleman's on Friday for Euro Millions can you check your tickets please that ticket could be worth half a million euro and of course when we talk of Mill Street and on Eurovision weekend what a great weekend uh, because next year they'll be celebrating the 30th anniversary of the staging of Eurovision in uh, Mill Street and of course we now know the winners of the Eurovision 2022 was Ukraine and lots of commentary in the newspapers today about it. I loved the Irish Daily Mail they they have a picture of the winning winning group and saying a riveting night where Europe gave a hug to Ukraine and there was that sense of I know some people were saying oh it's a sympathy vote but I like to see it more as a solidarity vote it was not just the rest of Europe and beyond the 40 countries uh, who were taking part all sending out this great big hug to Ukraine and saying we very much are standing with you in solidarity and that's not to take from the song Uh, it's a great song as well and the lead singer of the the the, the Kalush Orchestra has said that the folk rap, rap group they'll celebrate the Eurovision Song Contest but they'll have to celebrate their win they'll have to wait until after the war there was a press cons- conference given afterwards and the lead singer Oleg said they haven't really celebrated yet he said we will probably have a big celebration after the war because he said the victory is great winning Eurovision is fantastic but he said and sadly there's so much other stuff going on he said people are being killed in the war are they fighting in the war are they losing their jobs in Ukraine he said it really isn't the best backdrop for celebrations and he said Ukraine's Eurovision win has lifted the war-torn nation's spirits and he remained hopeful for the future of the country and following their win on Saturday night they it was yesterday they released a new music video there was the original music video that would have gone with the entry but they had put together another video just in case they won or I imagine if they didn't win they probably would have released this uh, new video because the first video for the Eurovision had nothing to do with war at all whereas the new uh, video 
features women soldiers carrying children out of bombed out buildings, greeting children in shelters and leaving them behind as they board trains. And the video uh, credit says it was shot in towns that had seen some of the worst destruction of the war, including towns like Bucha and Irpin. And then the end of the video, they dedicated it to the brave Ukrainian people to the mothers protecting their children to all those who've given their lives for our uh, freedom because of course the song was very much a a lullaby from a mother but as I said it was written way before Russia ever invented Ukraine and the Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky hailed the victory saying he hoped Ukraine would be able to host the contest next year and predicting that the victorious chord in the battle with the enemy is not far off and I know I heard him say after the win that uh, his dream would be that they would have a newly rebuilt Mariupol and that they would hold the Eurovision uh, then there. It would be so fantastic if that could be the case. And of course now following the results, the breakdown is coming through of what country, how countries voted, how individual countries voted, particularly the public uh, vote. And the Irish public and the Irish Eurovision jury had a big difference of opinion when it came to voting for the eventual winners. Now, this was reflected right across all of the 40 countries taking part in all the other countries. It was the people's vote that put Ukraine over the top, not the jury votes from each of the individual countries. So looking at the breakdown for Ireland, no surprise. The Irish public, we gave our top vote, our 12 votes went to Ukraine. And then we, and the public vote, 10 went to Poland, then 8 to Lithuania, 7 to Moldova. The UK got 6, Spain got 5, Norway got 4, Sweden 3, Romania 2 and Serbia. The girl washing her hands. The Irish public, they gave one vote. But then when you look at the Ireland's jury voting, which is the one we would have seen announced, they were very different. They only gave Ukraine three points. They gave the 12 points to Spain, followed by Sweden on 10. They gave the UK eight and they gave the Czech Republic uh, seven. And figures show that Ukraine won 94% of all of the possible public votes It's never happened before in Eurovision and I don't think it will ever happen again. And as I say, it was just like all of the 40 countries saying to Ukraine, we're giving you a great big hug and we are with you in solidarity. And then I took a look at the, they released after the Eurovision on Saturday night, they released the results of the two semi-finals and I wanted to see how our Brooke Scullion had done. And when I'd been talking with Johnny O'Mani, our Eurovision correspondent on Friday, he was saying that he hoped that Brooke hadn't just come 11th because we know only 10 would qualify. Well, she didn't. She actually came 15th out of the 18. So she did quite badly on both the jury votes and on the public vote. For whatever reason, we all thought it was a great song. We really thought that RT had probably sent their best song in quite some years. But for whatever reason, it didn't connect with the jury votes, uh, the juries across Europe, and it certainly didn't connect with the public. So that was massively, massively disappointing for Brooke Scullion. But listen, she has no regrets about being involved in Eurovision. She says it was a fantastic experience. So well done. And it's the beginning. We will be hearing a lot more for sure about Brooke 
Cork Scullion. The Mallow Garden Festival at the Cork Racecourse is back this year. It's one of Ireland's largest home and garden festivals and it'll run on the last weekend of uh, May. Over 20 exhibitors. There's the incredible garden uh, shows, all the terrific free uh, seminars and of course what most people go to the Mallow Garden Festival is to buy plants. There'll be about 5 million plants on display, each and every one of them for sale and to celebrate the Mallow Garden Festival at the Cork Race Course May 27th, 28th and 29th. We've got a wonderful prize to give away this week. One of our listeners is going to be winning a Parma Rattan Modular Sofa Set. What will happen is later on today I will play you a piece of audio. It's a well-known person who's talking about their love of gardening and you've got to try and identify the person. We'll have a daily qualifier and then we'll have a draw on Friday and one listener, as I say, will win this gorgeous Rattan uh, Sofa Set in association with the Mallow Garden Festival. Now, sadly, it's been a report, it was reported last week that a child in Ireland had died and another had received a liver transplant after being admitted to hospital with an acute form of hepatitis that's been reported in children in several countries. To give advice to parents of children about possible symptoms, what to look out for, I'm joined by Blackpool-based uh, Dr John Sheehan. Uh, good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. And you are very welcome to the programme. Now, as of last month, there had been 169 cases of this acute hepatitis of unknown origin. They were identified in children in 11 different countries, including us here in Ireland. How rare is hepatitis in children? It, it's not very common, Patricia. And, and usually when it, when it does occur... Um, it's hepatitis A, um, which is the, the, the commonest one. And that, that's usually where people get it from um, from water or from foodstuffs. And they can get a bit jaundiced, so they can get a bit yellow. They can get dark urine or pale stools. And usually it's a self-limiting illness. They're sick for a week or two and they're fine. And that's by far the commonest one. Uh, one. But the difficulty with this is that this seems to have come out of nowhere and they're not sure what's causing it and it seems to affect people and they, unfortunately, as you said, it affects people quite seriously and they're very unwell with it. Now, they've been looking um, in, in, in different countries as to why it's happening. The, high, the country with the highest number of cases has been the UK, which seems to have about over 100 and there's, uh, there's, there's cases in many other countries and they don't know why it's happening. So they're, they're going back and they're looking at possible causes. For instance, the, you know, COVID is an obvious one, but really less than 20% of the people who have this has had COVID. It's not the vaccine because these, this age group is usually 2 to 12 and they haven't been vaccinated. Um, they're looking at exposure to things such as a thing called adenovirus. Adenovirus is a virus that's very common. It causes pink eye and can cause colds and GI, stomach, vomiting, diarrhea, things like that, which is very, very common around the place. And they're looking, is there a subset of that that may be because of lockdown, the people's immunity isn't um, fully up to speed with it. But the honest answer is we don't know. And that's the difficulty. Um, and when it occurs, it seems to occur quite quickly. And the children, unfortunately, are quite unwell with it. We've had about six to eight cases that we know of in Ireland. But of them, unfortunately, one died and one required a liver transplant. So, so it is, it's rare, but it is serious. And I mean, as a GP, is hepatitis something you'd normally be looking out for in children? It, it isn't really, to be honest, um, unless they were presenting with some of those symptoms, such as the, the, the urine is very characteristic. It, it's literally 
kind of almost like coffee, if if you, if you don't mind me saying so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's the best very, way very of different. describing it. Yeah, it, it's very different than, than than someone's normal urine. And then the stools, they get very sort of almost grey-like, um, and then people can get jaundice. So they're, you know, they're, the jaundice is, is basically like as if you had loads of fake tan on or something like that. You know, you're very, and sometimes you can see it around people's eyes, the whites of their eyes as well. So that's another very common sort of symptom. And someone who has those symptoms generally would be quite unwell. You know, they wouldn't feel great. They may have stomach pains. Um, they'd feel tired. All of those sort of um, symptoms. You wouldn't see that very commonly um, in general practice. You see lots of infections, but you don't see um, hepatitis very, very commonly um, in children. You know, usually children are, are, are a very robust um, age group and they usually, you know, get short self-limiting illnesses and usually drive on from there. Mm. And the fact as well, there's been no link between between any of uh, the cases. So again, is raising that question of where the children are picking it up. Yes, they don't, they, you know, so, they, so they're really looking at the data on this. So for instance, with the Irish cases, they looked, you know, have these people been traveling to the UK and maybe picked it up there, but that's not the case. They haven't been traveling. They, their diet has been the same. There was a suggestion, you know, could it be due to pets because some of them have pets, but really they haven't, you know, they, these people have, have no more pets than the general population. And obviously they looked at COVID. They looked at, you know, COVID vaccine isn't a, a link because of the age group. Um, so they're, they're beginning to try to look for everything um, at the moment. Um, adenovirus or some viral sort of infection at the moment seems to be the one that they're looking most closely for. And the logic of that, I suppose, is that we've had a lockdown for the last two or three years. When you're an adult, your immune system is pretty much formed from the exposures you've had as a child. But these children may not have had that exposure. So now that as things have opened up in the last sort of six months, maybe their immune system is reacting differently. But that's only a theory. We don't really have any evidence at the moment. Yeah, and in the meantime, you know, it's important for us to talk about it so that parents with children, and it's it's been all in children under the age of 12, keep a lookout for those symptoms that you mentioned and react immediately. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, if someone is unwell... Parents, are, you know, have a, have a great idea. They know when their child is unwell, you know, um, go to their GP. They may need blood tests. The blood test will show if they have hepatitis or not. You know, we can check their urine and then go from there. So if you're in doubt, um, t- uh, talk to your GP. OK, and just where we have you on the line, second booster underway over 65s and the immune compromised, isn't it? That's it. Uh, we started giving it on Friday and, um, you know, it's, 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 it's great to be giving it. I suspect what will probably happen is we, we may be giving this every six months or we may be giving it with the flu vaccine again, but it's very well tolerated. Uh, people are used to it at this stage. Um, there isn't that fear, thankfully, that there was, you know, six, 12 months ago. Um, and we're just, um, like every other practice, we're just tipping away and, and giving it and, and it's great to be giving it out. Can you see the wider population getting the second booster? I can, I think. And like all the vaccines, they started with the more vulnerable groups first and then extended it out. Um, And I think that's the way that it'll it'll go with this as well. And is there still a lot of COVID in the community? There is, but it's going down. Um, About a month ago, we uh, we had a lot of COVID. And we've really noticed the last two weeks that the, the case numbers have, have, have gone way down. Um, so it seems to be going down. You see that in the hospitalizations and the ICU numbers. It's really gone down now in the last, about the last two or three weeks, we've noticed a big change. So that's really positive. Whether I, it seems to be that COVID uh, is, is varies. So about every 
three to four months, we seem to get a peak in it. And you would hope with the better weather and things like that, that that will uh, help things and the vaccinations and things. So there's a number of positive sort of um, developments there. Would you worry going into next winter, autumn into next winter, another surge? I always fear the winter, to be honest with you, Patricia, between yeah. flus and COVID and hospitals and everything like that. Um, it will peak again, but the peaks that we've noticed, the last couple of peaks, aren't each one isn't as bad as the previous one. Yeah, so yeah. the hope would be that, you know, I suspect we'll be doing another booster around the time of flu vaccine season and the hope would be that that peak will be much smaller again. OK. All right. Listen, uh, John, you're a mind of information as always. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, Dr. John uh, Sheehan, who uh, runs a GP practice in Blackpool. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Earlier this morning over Ireland, there was a total eclipse of the moon. It occurred as the sun was rising and the moon was setting to see how it all went. David Moore of Astronomy Ireland joins me. Good morning to you, uh, David. You're very welcome. Good morning. Now, this is also, it's a blood moon total eclipse. So I suppose explain all to us what, what happened and how often does it occur? Well, it's quite simply the moon going into the Earth's shadow. And you, the moon should go completely black and become invisible. But it turns out because of the Earth's atmosphere, and the same way when the sun goes down, we can still see the sky quite bright in the twilight for an hour or so the light gets bent by the atmosphere of the Earth into its shadow. And so really what the moon is being lit up by when it's totally eclipsed is all of the Earth's sunrises and all of the Earth's sunsets, which is usually red. And so we tend to get this coppery red colour on the moon. Now, it's a lot dimmer than the full moon that went into the eclipse an hour earlier. So the moon drops in brightness by a factor of at least 100,000. And there's a recent volcanic eruption that seems to have thrown a lot of dust into the high atmosphere. That a lot of people are saying this is one of the darkest eclipses they ever saw from other parts of the world, where it was much higher up, that is. So this reddish colour, some people call it a blood red. I don't think it was that that blood red, more orangey, yellow sometimes. Uh, but it's got that name now, and blood moons are basically yeah. totally moons. Yeah, everyone's, everyone, yes, I think everyone likes the idea of it being called uh, a blood moon and some of the <laughs> images you see as kind of a reddish hue uh, to you. Were the weather conditions right over Ireland this morning for us? It looked like we had some of the worst weather we oh, could have oh. There may have been some breaks in the south of the country, so anyone who did see it, we really want to know to publish a report in Astronomy Ireland magazine because that could have the thousands of kids and families all around the country. And we want to know, did anyone in Ireland see it? I had rain non-stop, I can tell you. And we did get some reports. There's only one member who's lucky enough to be over in Texas, where it was seen even better. But the weather's usually better there. And he had fantastic views. And there's some great pictures online as well. So the report in the magazine will probably be about satellite pictures from Ireland showing how cloudy it was. But then the best pictures from around the world. Uh, so you can relive the experience through the pages of Astronomy Island magazine. So anyone who wants to get a copy, just go to our website, astronomy.ie, and sign up now because there's another eclipse this time of the sun coming in October, and there'll be an eclipse of some sort, sun or moon, every year for the next, I think, I looked about five years into the future. And there's loads more happening apart from that as well. 
Yeah, because the last, if I'm, I'm right in saying that the last total eclipse of the moon was three years ago and there won't be another one for another three years. Yeah, they'll be partial on what we call penumbral eclipses as well. But the spectacular ones that are total eclipses where you get the blood moon, the, the full moon dims down by hundreds of thousands and becomes this reddish colour. So we can't see that again until the 14th of March in 2025. And if you thought, oh, well, I wasn't going to get up early for this one, the bad news is that one is also a crack of dawn <laughs> as well. So in astronomy have to get up very, very early sometimes. Yeah, and I remember talking to you at some stage uh, during the, the pandemic about the increased interest in astronomy because lots of people picked up new hobbies and for some reason astronomy seemed to spark the interest for a lot of people. Has that continued? Absolutely, yes. Our membership is, has been peaking ever since all the lockdowns. Uh, we've nearly doubled our membership now. Brilliant. We're looking for new members. These are ordinary members of the public who just have a fascination with space. You don't need a telescope. You don't need to know anything about astronomy. If you like looking at pictures of the eclipse moon, space stations flying over, finding about all the latest discoveries, black holes and everything else, then Astronomy Island magazine is for you. And it costs uh, less than a euro a week uh, to get the magazine posted to you. Who can't afford that? Most of it's done by volunteers. We're the world's most popular astronomy club. And during lockdown, when people could only travel a few kilometres physically, those of us looking up at the sky were travelling trillions of mm-hmm. kilometres instead. Oh, brilliant. Because you mentioned the space station. We can see the space station this week over Ireland. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, I, I, I've seen it passing over the moon uh, the last two nights when we had some breaks in the clouds for once. And in fact, it's going to continue this for two weeks. So you can see it at a different time every night. Sneak preview is tonight at nine minutes past 11. Now, there are apps from the like you can get online, but if you use astronomy on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we post a special Irish prediction when we'll tell you, you know, when it's going to pass in front of the moon, where you need to be in the country, lots more than you get on the automated apps. So do follow us on social media, astronomy.ie. You'll see the links there for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, and that's all free of charge. We want as many people watching this space station because it's the most expensive object ever built by the human race. There are seven astronauts on board, all going up and down all the time. Lots of lots of shuttle ferry or people being shuttled up, ferried up uh, this year. We cover all that in the magazine. And when it flies over, it is the brightest star in quotes in the sky. It outshines every bright star that we have. So really, it's spectacular to the naked eye. Great one to get the kids interested. It is, yeah. Into a career in astronomy. Yeah, and because it's so easy to identify, it, it really is great. Now you've got an online lecture happening uh, today. Yeah. Can can members of the public log on to that? It's what what has space Absolutely. done for us? Absolutely, it's aimed at members of the public. Sometimes people often wonder, you know, uh, with all the problems in the world, why are we spending money on space? The answer is because it puts the food on your supermarket shelves and does a lot more than that. Besides. It gave us the whole electronics, microelectronics industry. So if you don't like space and you are against it, you have to give your smartphone back and go back into the dark ages. That's where it all came from. And, and so there are lots of spin-offs, the great training ground for scientists to go off to work in the road. I'm giving away, actually, the, the, to the subject of the talk this evening. <laughs> so we ask an expert to come and tell the general public, people with no knowledge of space or science, what they're doing in their area. So a fantastic speaker this evening who works in this area in the UK, and he's going to explain with even more detail than I can with a few more facts and figures what space has done for us. The quick answer is a lot. And what 
What time is that at? It's at 7pm. It's online via Zoom. Again, go to astronomy.ie and you can follow the links there to get that lecture. There's one every month about something exciting about the universe. Okay, and I was reading uh, over the weekend Einstein's theories of how matter behave around black holes. That was confirmed by a global astronomy network uh, last year, more than a century later. Yes, and it's taken the most incredible technology. I mean, they need to collect data from lots of different telescopes that don't see light that you and our eyes see. They see other wavelengths. And there's so much data collected by these telescopes from different telescopes all around the world that can then be merged by special computers that they can't transmit it over the Internet. The Internet is not big enough for this project. They have to actually ship the hard disks physically around the world and then get supercomputers to crunch all the data. And what they see is a giant black hole, four million times more massive than our sun, which is a million times bigger than the Earth so ridiculously large. And it's at the centre of our galaxy. And it was actually an Irish astronomer, Dr. John Magorian. He gave one of these monthly talks to us a few years ago. He figured out that the black hole at the centre of our galaxy, most galaxies seem to have them, slows down the rate of star formation. And if that hadn't happened in our galaxy, the Sun and Earth would not have formed. So we owe our very existence, and an Irish scientist proved this, to a black hole at the centre of the galaxy. And really exotic things happen there that you can use to show that Einstein was right with his theory of relativity rather than Newton a few hundred years before him had a slightly simpler theory of gravity. So it's all fascinating stuff. We've had a number of talks about this in the past and there'll be more coming up in the future because it's a hot topic yeah. in astronomy. And people are just fascinated by black holes. They, they really are. Listen, David, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Astronomy.ie is where people can find out more. And as you say, check you out on social as well. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Good Bye-bye. morning to you. Bye-bye. That's the lovely David Moore from Astronomy Ireland. If you did manage, because they reckon here in the south, there might have been just some breaks in the cloud that would have allowed for decent photographs of the blood moon this morning. If you have any photographs that you'd like to share with Astronomy uh, Ireland, please do uh, via their social media or via their website, uh, astronomy.ie. 0818 John Paul taking your calls. We've had some calls already this morning. Uh, from we had a few in from Kenturk saying, could you find out what's going on with our water? Turning on the tap? Nothing in the tap. We've checked with Irish Water and they've confirmed, unfortunately, there is a burst water main in the Kenturk area and water is due to be restored sometime after four today. So they are aware of the burst water main. If they're not already working on it, they certainly are uh, tasking and getting crews ready to go out and sort it out. So that's for people in the Kenturk area. And then I'm not going to get into the complete background to this story but it's it's a family really in need of a home to rent they are looking to rent anywhere in ideally in the Bohabui area if anybody knows of a house suitable for a family for rent in the Bohabui area can you make contact with John Paul please and we can put you in contact with this family who are desperately in need of housing and ideally they would love to be living in the Bohabui area because they've got family connections there if anybody can help with that John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103 texts and whatsapps are up and running to 0862 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 
couple of people have been on looking for advice and a little bit of help, including Angela, who's contacted us uh, to say, I live in West Cork and I am a widow young in life. And I'm wondering where I can meet other women who are in the same situation. So single women are women who've been widowed, but young. Um, hoping you could help with some information, uh, please. So any suggestions, please, for Angela? Because it got me thinking when I read your, your text, it can be very difficult to be widowed young in life because it's hard to know what group you slot in with. And I remember my own mother, sadly now no longer with us, but she was widowed. She would have been in her very early 40s when my dad died. And she was widowed with five of us under the age of seven. God, how the woman ever survived. But I remember talking to her later on in life about, you know, what it was like as to be a young widow. And she's one of the things I can still remember her talking about was that she completely lost her social life, just disappeared, that couples that she would have gone out with with you know that would have she would have socialized with when dad was alive she said it was this almost if she was blacklisted they just all stopped calling to say oh would you like to go we're going to a dancer in those days it would have been going to, to a dancer to the pictures and uh, she said suddenly all those invitations stopped because suddenly she was a widow and she said she knows in some cases she was almost seen as a threat to some of the other wives going oh you can't bring her out she might be looking at the men she might be looking at my husband and, and she said she got that real sense of that but she found it really really difficult and then it would be into the 70s then I remember her joining there was a widow Widows Association at the time in Clonmel don't know if such an association still exists and whether that's something for Angela but I'm wondering is there any what kind what if you're in your your interests um, Angela you know if you were I don't know if you're interested in crafts for example is there a craft group locally in the area that you could join and I know but you know I get a sense from your text it's more as a social outlet to be able to socialise to go out with other women maybe meet up for coffees or whatever and you know just to build friendships so we'll throw it out there and see and as I say Angela is in the West Cork area I've no more details than that so if anybody has any suggestions for Angela can you share them with us uh, please and we can call them out over the airways for her thank you for your text Angela to 0862103103 and then David was in contact with us. Now his wife passed away in 1981 so some 40 years ago at St. Patrick's Hospital on Wellington Road in the city. Now at the time David said there was a sister a nun working there and the only name he has for her was Sister Mary. Now he says Sister Mary at the time would have been in her 40s so we're talking now 40 years later so this same nun would be in her early 80s and he said for some strange reason she's come into his mind and he'd love to track her down and he'd love to see how she's doing now because at the time she stood out for her kindness to David's wife when David's wife was dying and he said for example she never left my wife's side. Now the details he remembers about her he doesn't have a just that she was Sister Mary working in St. Patrick's Hospital on uh, Wellington Road, which is, you know, where the hospice uh, was. He says he remembers talking to her and she spoke about that she had a brother who lived somewhere up the country, but he doesn't even know where the brother up the country was living because I'm assuming wherever the brother was, maybe that was where the family home was. So do we take it from that that she, Sister Mary, wasn't a native of uh, Cork? And he knows no more than that. And uh, he's just she's come into her... her his head and he'd love to just find out where she is and how she got on in life but she was a very kind and a caring nun so 
if that rings a bell with anyone. Sister Mary, who worked in St. Patrick's Hospital on Wellington Road, which is where the hospice was and where uh, Griffith College is now located. If anybody can has any information about that same Sister Mary or people may, may also have remembered her as they say she was working there in the 80s and she would have been in her early 40s so she'd been in her early 80s now or somebody may know the exact nun we're talking about uh, Dave would love to get some information so 0818 103 103 John Paul taking the calls there now I'm reading that large numbers of young people expect to have to rent into the future as they do not ever see themselves being able to buy a home and I just think that statement in itself is just filled with so much sadness and disappointment for a whole generation of young people because it's almost in the Irish psyche that you you grow up, you go out to work, you save, you rent, you save and then you go off and you, you buy your own house. It's something within us. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Does it go back to famine times when we were kicked out of houses and kicked off land? I don't know where, where it all comes from but we have a big grow and a big love for owning our own properties. So this it was a, a survey that's out showing a third of adults between the ages of 18 and 34 believe rent will be one of their biggest ongoing expenditures right throughout their lifetime and that's double the number for the other older age groups. Other age groups expect mortgage repayments to be their biggest expenditure over their lifetime but a third of 18 to 34 year olds believe never going to be able to afford to buy a house I'm going to be renting for the rest of my life and the fact that so many young people see rent as their biggest lifetime expenditure has now led experts to conclude that many people under the age of 34 now accept and are actually accepting it that they will never buy their own home and will instead rent into the long term. And the survey findings, they come off the back of recent research that was out from the Central Statistics Office that was showing that the age at which people take on a mortgage has moved up. The median age now for joint mortgage holders without children is now at 36. And you go back probably even just one or two generations, that actual age would have been people in their 20s would have been buying their their properties, getting married uh, and buying their properties. That figure now has gone to 30, aged 36. That's for joint mortgage holders across everyone who was surveyed. Half said they believe the cost of housing will be the biggest ongoing expenditure over the course of their lifetime. And I think that's been the same for most uh, generations, even looking back. But then outside of the cost of housing, the people responding to the survey then said raising children would be the next biggest expense, particularly the case for the 35 to 44 year olds. That was followed by then the ongoing expenses really of living, things like paying the utility bills like your gas bill, your electricity bill and your broadband. But how sad to hear that so many young people, 18 to 34, are almost accepting it fait accompli. They're never going to own their own uh, houses. And they are the same age group then that as we speak are desperately trying to rent properties and because so many people are now renting it came as no surprise to me to hear an estate agent reveal that he had almost 90 applications within 10 seconds of advertising a property to rent and that's as tenants continue to be pushed out of the housing market by this chronic lack of supply and of course in the report out last week from daft.ie they showed nationwide there was only 851 
properties available for rent in the entire country. And when you dig down into that, 462 of the homes were available in Dublin, so even less available for the rest of the country. And Ryan O'Shockensy, he's an associate director with an estate agent called Get Property Estates. He it was a colleague of his he was talking about, had advertised this property and it was in Blanchestown in Dublin. And God help anyone who's trying to live and work in Dublin because outside of the cost of renting. I mean, the, the latest staff report showed was it just under €2,000 to rent. There was the average house to rent a house in Dublin a month. €2,000. How much money would you need to be earning to pay that kind of money out in rent? And of course, a lot of people see rent as uh, dead money. And if you're never going to, if you see yourself as never going to own your own house, you know you're going to be paying that kind of money for uh, evermore. So this house became available in Blanchestown. They, they put it up, as I say, within 10 seconds, there was 90 applications. They went up on Friday evening and by last Monday morning, when the estate agent came back in and clicked on his computer to read his emails, there was a thousand applicants in the inbox for this one property in uh, Blanchardstown. And the estate agent saying it is really, really difficult and pointing out you know, that there's a human cost to all of this. Uh, he was saying we get about 15 people a day knocking on the door of the estate agent saying I can't find anywhere to live uh, please help me and I heard an estate agent over the weekend talking on national radio you know they were talking about how this problem that they had you know with finding rent and even people who have say are in a house share and we might have a, a bedroom to rent in a house share situation he was telling the story of somebody who knew where there was three four bedroomed house and there was one double room now it was a double room with an on and suite and this particular man who was renting the room I don't know whether he owned the house or not and he had people in helping to pay the mortgage but he was inundated like that with people saying please consider me please consider me and you know that it was a bit you know he the, the owner was finding it really difficult to select you know who would he give the room to because everybody was coming with their own stories to tell and one story was more heartbreaking than the next year people saying I'm living in my car I'm going to be thrown out of the property I'm in next week I'll have nowhere to, where to go then he said there was a knock on the door one day um, a man, this is when the property when the room was up for rent and he said there was a man standing there and he came straight from work he'd, he'd uh, driven to you know straight from work to say please can I see the room and they, he showed him the room and then he told him his story he said would you please consider renting it to me my wife and my two children we'll all live in the room we have nowhere to go I mean it's just it's shocking. It really is shocking. And we just don't seem to be getting a handle on the housing crisis. And it is just worse, it seems to be getting. 0818 103 103. Uh, John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With Munster Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full time, part time, and professional courses. Succeeding together with MTU.ie. Stunner's Hair Salon. They're based in Mallow. They're looking for a fully qualified hairstylist. You need to have a minimum of five years' experience. Catherine is your contact at 022 43229. O'Callaghan Motors, they're in Canturk. They're looking for an apprentice or a qualified technician. CVs, please, to info at O'Callaghanmotors.com. While Longueville House in Mallow, they're looking for a part salesperson for their beverage customers. Email your CV to info at longevillehouse.ie. And a welder fabricator. 
wanted for Jones Agri in Valley Desmond. CVs to jonesagri at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget that Ward personnel are holding a recruitment open evening for construction and production workers between four and seven this evening and it's in the silver springs hotel in uh, cork you'll find all the details and there's a lot more job opportunities online right now by going to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Laura Lynn are this week celebrating Children's Hospice Week with an awareness campaign called Little Moments Big Impact, which focuses on living the little memories. And the hope is that the campaign will tackle some of the misconceptions around children's hospice and palliative care. And joining me from Laurelin is their CEO, Kerry McLafferty. Good morning to you, Kerry. Good morning. And you're very welcome to the programme. I suppose most people associate the word hospice with death and dying and sadness. But Laurelin is so much more that, than that, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, being the only children's hospice, I think when people think hospice, they naturally go to adult hospice, where indeed a lot of the focus, not all, but a lot of the focus can often be around end of life care um, and that kind of those last days. Whereas children's hospice care is really about the entire journey, right from the time that a child gets diagnosed all the way through to end of life and indeed onwards in bereavement care afterwards. And for children, that can often be over a number of years as opposed to, to kind of weeks and months. Yeah, it talks to me like about palliative care because, again, people associate that with end of life. So talk to me about what, what that would involve from Laura Lynn and the children's point of view. So... For Laurelin's perspective, we offer, I suppose, our care is across five kind of key pillars, if you like. So we do our planned short break respite, so that's hands-on nursing care in our hospice and in the home. We also then do symptom management. So, for example, if a child's condition deteriorates rapidly or, you know, that they're going through um, a spike in, in, in their condition, uh, we also then do family support. So that's our range of uh, allied health professionals. So play therapy, music therapy, occupational physiotherapy, psychology, and a full range of, uh, of family support, as well as then our end of life care and, and bereavement support. So it's really about that holistic range of support and taking a family and providing individualized support, no matter where they're at on the journey. It could be very early days, but it could also then be kind of towards the end of, of their journey and indeed afterwards, um, after the child has passed away that continuing that bereavement support for the entire family not just for the sick child Yeah and I think that's important as well to point out that's where the holistic care uh, comes in you know while obviously a lot of the focus is going to be on the, the child but the entire family gets affected when a child is given you know a devastating diagnosis Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, often you know, the, the, the siblings in particular are often, you know, and, and grandparents are often groups that are kind of on the periphery. There can often be a lot of focus around mum and dad. But sometimes I've heard that the, the term the forgotten mourners, you know, around siblings. So, for example, our play therapist and our music therapist do fantastic work in kind of tapping into, particularly for younger siblings who might have difficulty coming to terms with a brother or a sister who is dying or who might have 
you know, complex emotions around guilt or, you know, feeling that, you know, jealousy, perhaps if mum and dad's attention is often, you know, you know, with their brother or sister. So those emotions can manifest in very complex ways. And our, our, our music therapists and play therapists have ways using play and music to explore those emotions and helping de- children deal with those complex uh, emotions and feelings. Brilliant. You've recently launched services here in Cork and it's actually you're operating out of a ma- out of an office in Mallow. That's right. Uh, we we announced so our it was our tenth birthday last year. We've been providing hospice care for for ten years, and in September, as part of our celebrations, we announced what we've been planning, in fact, for a long time, is how we would bring our care. Obviously, our, our hospice building is in Dublin, so we've been conscious for a long time that there are many families living further afield who just simply can't access our services in Dublin because of the difficulty in packing up a child and all of the medications and equipment that goes with that to travel to Dublin. So we've been trying to see how we could bring our care closer to home. Uh, And so we have actually just launched our, our, as you say, our, our Cork service, which will cater for families, I suppose, in predominantly Cork and Kerry, but kind of within a, a two-hour radius of our, of our Mallow office, and um, which we have just appointed our first hub team lead. So we're very excited, and we are in the process now of recruiting the wider team around her of nurses and allied health professionals. And we will, for the first time during Children's Hospice Week now, we have uh, some of our team going down actually this week to meet some of our local families in, in the Cork and Kerry Brilliant. area. That yeah. is brilliant. Well done, well done. And of course, outside of an awareness campaign this week, Children's Hospice Week, is very much about fundraising, um, Kerry. How can people help from a fundraising point of view? Absolutely. So it's the one week where we, we get to raise awareness for what we do. So the, 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 I suppose the easiest way for, for people to support is if you go onto our website, so www.lauralyn.ie, uh, and you can donate directly online or indeed if you get you know onto our social media so Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and follow along there are lots of online Facebook challenges and even just raising the awareness and sharing our stories and uh, helping people to understand what hospice care is all about and the work that we do at Laurelin. Was your fundraising hugely affected by COVID? Thankfully, actually, we, we, we sustained really well through COVID, as, as a right. lot of actually charities did. And the, the generosity of the Irish public through the pandemic has been absolutely phenomenal. So thankfully, we were expecting the worst, but we've actually sustained our fundraising. We, we were able, I suppose, to move a lot of our face-to-face events that would have normally been our big challenges, you know, the, the Women's Mini Marathon and our Heroes Ball, that all have to be cancelled, those in, in-face events. But we were able to move to online challenges, so these Facebook and, you know, running you know 100 kilometers in may for example that you can do from the the, the safety of your own home yeah. so those events were were really really um successful for us so we were delighted to be able to continue our our fundraising so yes thankfully but as you know we are definitely still reliant on that generosity to to continue our good work there's a great i don't know what it is well i do know what it is it's laurel in there's just there's a great outpouring of love and support for laurel in it's it's yeah. We, and we it's been it's been there since you started. It's right. I mean, it's it's a cause that I think a lot of people are thankful that you know that they have never been in that position. Yeah, but that's you it. know the fact that it, it could happen to anyone. Yeah. You know, and I think it's a cause that that so many people, and uh, you know that they either know somebody potentially who has a, had a sick child, or you know that they, they envisage what it would be like if they had a sick child. So it's something I think people really really respond well to, and we are so lucky. We have uh, really really incredible supporters. Actually, see, as I mentioned COVID, were, were your services restricted because of COVID? I imagine they were. 
We were somewhat. So um, we, we had to curtail some of our planned respite, um, badly due to maintaining social distancing and infection control standards. But we were still able to offer crisis support and end-of-life support in particular, which, was, which we found was really helpful for families who typically, if a child, for example, was dying in hospital where there were really strict controls around family members who couldn't, couldn't see, couldn't meet the child, couldn't ever see them before, they were able to come out to Laura Lynn and we could isolate them in such a way that grandparents, aunts and uncles could actually come in and meet the child and be there around the family at end of life, which was so important. Yeah. And then crisis support was the other big one where these families would have had you know, that typically they'd have lots of different supports going into them in the home. They would have had school and, you know, different nursing supports in the community. All of that typically was gone throughout COVID. So these families then had to care for their child 24-7 by themselves with no support. So they were purely exhausted. So they would come to Laurelin maybe for two or three days. Just it, it might be to catch up on sleep, just to literally recharge the batteries and to get them through. Or indeed, if a family member picked up COVID and was unable to care for the child, that we were able to, to step in and support. You do, you just you do the most amazing work, and it's just done so quietly and goes on in the background that so many of us are just not aware of you. You're just you're an amazing bunch. You you really are. I, I mean, roughly, how many children and families would you say be currently working with? So at the moment, we have about, 300, about 350 families. Now, that includes um, those who are bereaved families as well, who are still availing of, they, they link in with our bereavement team after the child has died. So, but it's about 350 that's on our huge. Book. It's a huge number. It really is a huge number. And that's why fundraising is so important for you Absolutely. to continue the work. Absolutely, and to, and and indeed to grow our services. So that's part of our our reason to expand into Cork is to reach more families. So we want to do more. We know there are lots more families out there who need our care, uh, and we're keen to get to them. Yeah, and 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 I was on your your website. I'm a big fan of Dairy Girls, so I'll, I'll, I'll fess up on that straight away. And uh, Nicola Coughlin, who plays Claire, she is right. she is she an ambassador for you, or she's she's a great supporter. She is. She is. She's one of our ambassadors. Absolutely. She's fantastic. And she's actually, during Children's Hospital Week, I mean, she's raffling off her Dairy Girls Season 3 wrap jacket yeah. is up for, for a raffle. So if anyone has a has a grow for Dairy Girls, by all means, go online and, and check out how you can get in, into the raffle for that. Because you're, you're raffling that quite soon, isn't it? The, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. The jacket, you can wear the jacket. You know what I mean? It's not something that you're just going to hang up, you're going to put up on the wall. This is an actual jacket you can wear. That's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Very yeah. smart. Well, done to, to Nicola for that. Listen uh, Kerry, continued good luck with the amazing, amazing work that you and the rest of the team do at Laura Lynn and we hope you have a really, really successful Children's Hospice Week and as always it's a pleasure to talk to you on the programme. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Kerry McLafferty, CEO of Laura Lynn and we think of all of those families availing of the services of Laura Lynn as you know, as I said to Kerry it is just one of those things, it's just from the, from when Laura Lynn and our, the Children's Hospice first got mentioned, it's just sort of captured, I think, the imagination of everyone uh, in the country. And for all of us as parents who have never had to use Laura Lynn, we're sort of thankful every day. Uh, and, and but nobody knows, nobody ever knows when a family, when our family, your family, anyone's family is going to need the help and support of Laura Lynn. And that's why any fundraising that they do is so important. But fantastic to think that they have now launched services here in Cork. We'll keep an eye on that. And if we get any more information, we certainly will bring it to you. 0818 103 103. Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance. 
insurance is Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This month's insurance slot, we are dealing with home insurance, the do's and the don'ts and what you need to keep in mind when you're taking out your home insurance. And joining me as always is Paul Kavanagh, uh, who is Executive Director of McCarthy Insurance Group. Good morning to you, Paul. Uh, good morning, uh, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And I suppose the very first point that we want to, you want to, a myth, I suppose, that you want to dispel, all insurance, home insurance policies are not the same. Absolutely not. And I'm saying that emphatically because there are so many different things going on in the house, number one. And number two, all the insurers have different types and styles of policies that have little nuances in the policy that may or may not suit you personally. So it is a very personal matter. And I always take the view, it's your home, your home is your castle and your castle is probably the biggest asset you have and will ever have. So you need to look after it and you can't treat it flippantly. You've got to make sure that everything that you want is covered in your policy. And if you're moving policy, that anything that you want to put into the new policy, you've got to make sure that it's in there. And I use the word, don't take anything for granted. Assume yeah, because how often do you? Nothing. Yeah, how often do you hear of somebody who thought they were covered, and then when they right. they worked out they weren't covered, and then it was in the small print? And who reads all of the small print is kind of the attitude a lot Correct. of people have. I, I empathise totally, and advice is free. Go and get the advice. I've said it on the program previously. Go talk to your insurance broker, who will give you the proper advice, and say, no, do you know what? I'd stay where I am if I were you because that you have the proper cover and that's the cover you want, not a cheaper cover that doesn't have the cover that you want. Now, you've put together what I think, and I was reading down through it, is a home checklist. They, the, these are the things people need to keep in mind and ask themselves when they're going for home insurance. Talk me through that. Well, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm sorry that the list is so extensive, but it, I tried to get it all into one page. And, 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 you know, am I covering everything? I'm probably not. But these are the main things that are in there. Like, do you have paying guests, B&B or even lodgers? You need to tell your insurance company because the last thing you want to find out is that they're not covered or that you've invalidated your policy. Airbnb is coming back into vogue very again. Very popular, very popular. Very popular, and there is cover involved in the Airbnb policy, but it doesn't cover your home as standard either. You need to talk to your own insurer about it. And we did have an incident there about three years ago, actually, where a house went on fire and the work was being done in association with Airbnb. And we had a huge problem getting the claim paid Eventually, and it was all it was all naivety, and the person assumed there was no problem, but it would have been a problem. We got it sorted at the end of the day, but ever, you know what I mean. You learn something new every day. That's what I always say. Okay, uh, home heating oil. Yes, uh, I think I've said this before. If you have a home he- and and there has been reports of oil being stolen again, it's now a very yeah a very <laughs> what will we call it. It's nearly like gold. At this it stage is. Point. It is. I mean, it's it's doubled in price, and and we've, we we listen. Price. We have it on our guard. The file it comes up every now and again. Somebody's home okay, heating oil so recently filled and it's gone. How many of us have a lock on our oil tank? Probably none of us. No. Okay. Fellas are pulling up in trailers and they're they're detaching pipe detaching pipes, and filling up and taking off and leaving the rest of it flow out. When that oil flows out, whether it be in the in the manner I've just described 
or in the manner of that it just happens because oil tanks do crack, they do leak, okay, they do corrode as well. And if that oil gets into the soil and worse still gets into your house, you have a serious problem, mm. a very serious problem. Yeah. And it's not the fill of oil you'll be worried about, I can tell you. It's, it's the clean-up. The consequences I, afterwards, yeah. Environmental clean-up could be in the order of €100,000, and that is no exaggeration because I've seen them. OK, so and if your oil was stolen, are you covered on a standard house insurance policy? Yes, if your oil is stolen. That's, yeah, probably, okay. that's probably the easiest part of the claim. Okay. It's if there's any damage done while they're stealing it, such as, and this seems to be uh, uh, what we're seeing, is, is that they're driving away quickly from the scene and as a result they're letting the rest of it flow out. They take so much of it and then they go. Okay, so a lot of households will have expensive items, like say a ride-on lawnmower, or the, the mm-hmm. new one is the electric bikes, and they're quite expensive, or e-scooters. Are they all covered under your house insurance? No, no, no they're not, is the answer. There's only four insurers covering electric bikes proper, properly. Four insurers. Four out of 20. That leaves 16 that are not. So 20% of the insurers are covering you, and 80% are not. You need to get it checked. And is that the same for a ride-on lawnmower, which are expensive items? Ride-on lawnmowers as well. They, sh- they cannot be driven on the road because that's the Road Traffic Act. You see, I think we had this discussion on the scooters previously. Yeah. That if you can't register your, your vehicle, your lawnmower, whatever it may be, your bike, whatever, then you shouldn't be on the road with it because you need Road Traffic Act cover. And your house insurance will give you some personal cover when it's on your own land. So the ride-on lawnmower... And more especially now, um, the value of your ride-on lawnmower, because we're getting requests of ride-on lawnmowers. We'd won there last week where the guy had two of them wow. uh, totaling €10,000. They're not cheap. They're not They're cheap. Not cheap. Now, in, last in, week on the programme, we were talking about dogs and dog attacks. And actually, we had a, a, a family farm on uh, and she was talking about they lost 20 euros. It was devastated just before Christmas. But somebody made the point that if you could track the dog back to the owner, that their, the other, the owner's house insurance would cover the cost of the do- what the, the damage the dog had done. Is that true? That is correct. Ah. That is correct. If, the, if, the, if there is house insurance... And there is a dog covered, but there is one proviso that they're not one of the in the dangerous dogs act section, right? And mm-hmm. that would include Rockweilers, Alsatians, pit bulls. Those dogs must be muzzled, muzzled, and kept on a very strong lead and ha- handled by somebody over the age of sixteen. So if a, one of those dogs get up, gets out, you could be in trouble. Yeah, and if unfortunately it was, it was it was an it was an, an alsatian. But for ordinary dogs, you are covered under your house insurance if God forbid Pro- something happens. And, and yes, but you got to check. There's some stipulations and some house policies that the dog has to be. It's only within their own land, not out in the public. Then for for people listening who maybe are childminders looking after children in their own home, do, yeah, do you need very, pop, very popular? Yeah, is, is that house insurance? It's not funny? automatic. No. absolutely okay. not automatic. You need one. Please talk to your insurer. Please talk to your broker and get advice on this because it is important and it's all well and fine and we all do it. So just be on the right side of that. And would that the same be for other people who come into your house? Maybe you've got a gardener who comes in or a, a, a nanny or an au pair or the window cleaner. Are you covered okay. for those people? 
you, in general, you're covered for your window cleaner, your uh, guy cleaning the shoots, your, your, your guy doing a bit of gardening. However, the one that's really catching us out at the moment is the carer, right? And who is the carer and who isn't the carer? If you're coming from the HSE, fine. If you're coming from a private company that has insurance, fine. However, casual carers or friends coming in to do the caring, that needs to be told to your insurance company because certain insurers are now excluding it. The word carer, you need to be very careful. Yeah, and we know that there are a lot of people, Nora down the road, who a nice caring person and might be popping in and doing two hours, you know, every day with somebody and they're technically are a carer, but they're going into somebody else's uh, home. Okay, then you want to talk about roofs. Now, you've got non-standard roofs. What's a non-standard roof? Well, okay, we'll start with it because it's been in the paper this morning. Catched roofs are non-standard to start with. Okay, they look gorgeous. Yeah, they look gorgeous. They look gorgeous. They're virtually impossible to insure. We we have one dash one and a half insurers at the moment. So you're really getting into you're tightening up. You won't get that coat online. You won't you know what I mean? Most people, the minute you mention the word touch, they don't want to know. It's a specialist insurance that has to be put on attached house. The other one the one that I always talk about is when, I suppose back in the 70s, we all started putting on the, the back kitchen. The lean-to. The lean-to <laughs> or the porch or whatever. Yeah. And I, you know what I mean? And even the word flat roofs doesn't even stand up because, as you just said, lean-to. Is there a, oh, the, 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 the guy with a bit of a brain put a bit of a tilt in it so the water would run off it. Mm. But in the main, the ones that are flat, what happens is the water lodges on top of them and they're torch on felt. So they're they're susceptible to the weather. So so like yesterday, beautiful day yesterday, today it's raining down on top of them and they crack and the water gets in, it ingresses in and next thing, what's underneath it? Chipboard. It used to be chipboard in the 70s. As, as we've changed them, we've put in plywood but they do ser- they could be serious damage. I saw a beautiful kitchen one time worth 20,000 euros destroyed by a roof that could have been sorted for a thousand euros. Okay, so, so, so bear that, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind and check your roof and don't leave anything to chance. Houses that are left unattended for now, we're not talking about somebody just going away for a weekend away or a week's holidays. We're talking about for longer periods of time. Where, where, how is your house insurance affected by that? Once again, you have to check with each and every insurer. Some are 30 days, some are 60, and some are 90. And we're getting an awful lot of people now saying, oh, I'm going to Lanzarote for two months. Lucky then. Elderly people, they want to go for a nice bit of stuff. You need, like with your health insurance, make sure that you're covered. Check everything before you go. And if you have an alarm, make sure the alarm is on. Make sure you leave no windows open, none. Because these guys have not gone away. The criminals have not gone away. If they see an open window and nobody and no activity, they'll cage the house out, case it out, and they'll be watching. And next thing, all of a sudden, oh, I see while you were away there, Patricia, there was a guy cleaning your windows. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. (laughs) <laughs> okay, and and, uh, and will, your neighbours. Yeah, no, William. William. William has a question about remote working, and now his back room is now technically his office. Does yeah. he need to inform his home he, insurance he does, company? He, 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 he does need to, but in general, it's fine. But he does need to because now there's 
there's a two-way responsibility here. The employer has responsibility as well to make sure that he's working in a safe environment. Uh, and there's, there was a major claim in Germany, uh, went to the courts, where the guy fell over wires in his house and is trying to sue his insurance company. Uh, sorry, he's trying to sue his employer now because his insurance company said he wasn't covered. So he's trying to sue his employer for falling over the wires and injuring himself. Yeah, that's the times in which the we live. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mandy's grandfather recently invested in hearing aids. They were very expensive items. She mm. said we were only talking about it at the weekend. Should he get them individually insured? I would say yes. Uh, there's two ways to do it. We can insure them individually on a separate standalone policy, which is highly recommended. Or we have a, one insurer, I think maybe two, who will add them to their house policy. But it's a very common thing uh, that people lose hearing aids. And as as correctly pointed out, they are seriously expensive. Some of the digital ones, you're talking thousands. I mean, you really you are, are talking that. Maybe up to 2,000 euros, yes. And flooding, flooding and subsidence. Well, I suppose because we're in that area here in Mallow and Formoy in particular. Um, and parts of West Cork and parts of the city, anywhere at all. Yeah. Skibbereen and yeah. ba- like Bantry is nearly a no-no at this stage because there's no work after taking place by the OPW, but hopefully there will be in the near future. But in places like Skibbereen, Formoy and Mallow, we've had flood relief plans and they've worked in general 99%. We can't say 100 yet, but nearly 100. They're getting there. And the insurance companies in Ireland won't recognise them. And I've, be, I've been on, on, on this bandwagon now for a long time, up and down to a Rochdus member. Sean Sherlock has been a great help to me, as have all the other East Cork TDs. And we're, we're banging our... We've met several ministers. We're banging our head against the it's stone. It's so unfair. It's, companies. Yeah, it is, it is so... We have, we have one insurer who will look at it. If we can fit the bill, and we've got houses covered in Mallow, Skibbereen, and from I am delighted to say in McCarthy's, that have been in a flood area but are now protected and we will recognise the demountable defences. Okay, and that gives people peace of mind uh, when, when yeah. in their own homes. And just very finally, we're right in the middle of the season. I saw a load of uh, children on Saturday who made their first Holy Communion, all looking gorgeous, all heading home for the big party and the bouncy castle in the garden. Are bouncy castles covered on your house insurance? In general, no. Oh, Absolutely, in general, no. Uh, we have one insurer in particular, uh, but they have serious stipulations attached such that it's supervised at all times, the motor is kept so many metres away from it, and that it's pegged down properly. So, you know what I mean? Once again, it's, it's, it's a big, big no-no. Uh, d- what happened here is, that in, to be fair, is that the bouncy castle companies all had their own insurance, which was all well and fine. But that is gone. Uh, Now, there was a big push last week to have it replaced. We haven't heard that it has been. So you need to be, I suppose, my advice to everybody, look, get your bouncy castle. All my friends got their bouncy castles. That's no problem. But you need to be on the ball because when there's other kids in your house, if they break an arm or a leg, they'll be suing your household policy. And if they say it happened in a bouncy castle, there's no cover. Okay, very very quickly, uh, Anne wants to know if a member, an adult member of the family cleans out the chutes, office clean out her chutes, would she be covered? Once again, and I should have said this earlier when when you mentioned it, you yourself 
you're the policyholder, yourself, your husband, and your family. You have no cover for injury on or in your house. It's members of the public coming in, your neighbours, your friends, your relations, who don't reside with you. So you, if, if and we've had several cases of this, if you, if you, Patricia, God forbid, now we'll say this hypothetically, had an accident in the house, you are not covered under your house insurance. Nobody is. That cover is not there. Okay. The cover is there for somebody coming into your house. Uh, did you work? Okay, okay. I'm, we're way over on time and I can see people lo- looking for the insurance companies that cover electric bikes. Uh, go talk to your brokers and that's exactly, broker. that's exactly what Paul is. Listen, Paul, thank you for that. We'll talk again next month. You're always a mind of information. Thanks for joining us. Thank uh, good morning to you, Paul Kavanagh of uh, McCarthy Insurance Group. 0818 103 103. If you've got questions for Annalise Trissel, get them in. Quick break. News at 12 midday on the way. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Competition time. We have a wonderful competition that we're launching today and it runs right across this week. At the end of this week, one of our listeners is going to get a terrific prize of a Parma Rattan modular sofa set. And it ties in with our good friends at the Matter Home and Garden Festival because the Garden Festival, one of Ireland's largest home and garden festivals, will run at Cork Racecourse May 27th, May 28th and May 29th. There's going to be over 200 exhibitors and, of course, the wonderful garden displays, the permanent gardens are out there. They are just as stunning. And as always, throughout the Garden Festival, it's wonderful free seminars. I mean, I know our own Peter Dowdle. I'm assuming Peter will probably be doing some of the seminars. I've sat in on some of them and they really are always great great fun and very very uh, informative and then there's things like there's always a vintage car show on and then be an artisan food expo so you can wander around the gardens you can buy some of the many many plants that will be on stage and because all of the artisan food providers are there you can have your lunch or your mid-afternoon snack whatever it is whatever you're having yourself uh, so that's all all happening last weekend in May at the Cork Race Course so every day this week we're going to play a clip of a well-known person who is speaking about his or her love of gardening. You've got to identify the person. Now, we want you to text or WhatsApp the answer along with your name and address to 0862 103 103. Let's play today's well-known person. Nerves and pressure, yeah. And I remember my mum meeting my old fella before the game, the Shelburne, and I was sick with nerves, like white as a sheet. Now, he's not quite talking about his love of gardening there, but he is uh, talking about his other big passion. Who is that? I play it again. Nerves and pressure, yeah. And I remember my mum meeting my old fella before the game, the Shelburne, and I was sick with nerves, like white as a sheet. Okay, he's a well-known celebrity. Who is he? Uh, if you know, please text or WhatsApp 0862103103. We'll run the text and the WhatsApps for about 10 minutes and then we will select today's qualifier that will go forward to the draw. As I say, the draw on Friday and somebody, thanks to the Manor Home and Garden Festival, winning a Parma Rattan modular sofa set. Get texting on that, please. And while we are waiting for today's qualifier, let me look at some of your calls and comments that will be coming into the programme this morning. Thank you to John 
who has a suggestion for Angela. Angela is a young widow who has contacted us from West Cork and she's just wondering where can she meet other women in a similar situation to her, either widowed or single or maybe separated. And just wants, you know, friendship and just to meet up with other like-minded individuals uh, I suppose so John's advice uh, he's speaking from his own personal background he said when he moved out of what was a long-term relationship he says he found at the time that a lot of his friends then were in their own relationships and they had moved on so his old friendship group that he would have relied on when he was once single suddenly were no longer there so his suggestion to Angela is you need to move on that he says the way that he did it and the way that she can do it is to get involved in organisations maybe volunteer somewhere um, just get out and about you know get involved with new hobbies you know learn new skills whatever it is but just get yourself out there where you're opening yourself up to meet new friends and John said he did exactly that and he said he found many uh, new friends and also he said at the same time it took his mind away from the situation that he was currently going through with the breakup of a relationship and it kept him uh, occupied but his point Angela is she needs to put herself out there there isn't going to be a ready made group for her so she's going to need to find whatever she's interested in and then somehow in her own area you know sign up to a local club I think the volunteering is, is is a great suggestion as well and this is and we have it on the news earlier this is volunteering week through volunteering you'll meet you know a whole host of new people and out of that new friendships will form so good to know uh, John that you're getting on with your life and hopefully everything's working out for you and we wish nothing but the same for Angela but certainly we haven't had any information about like a widow's association that's available in West Cork but if we hear anything different we'll certainly we'll pass the information on to uh, Angela and hi Patricia I heard you talking about the high cost of uh, rent uh, earlier on. Well, I heard a lady from Dublin speaking on radio earlier this morning and uh, she was talking about her landlord has asked her to move out of the house that she's currently renting. So she's been given a time period of which she has to move on. Obviously, he needs the accommodation back. He's either moving back in or moving a family back member back in or maybe he's selling. So this woman in Dublin, now you've got to bear in mind that we think the situation is bad around the country. You can multiply that by probably 100 in Dublin. So this woman is in Dublin, obviously working, good career and all that behind her and she literally cannot find anywhere to live and she said any property that she's discovered that is available for rent, the cheapest rent she can find is between two and a half thousand and two thousand seven hundred euro a month isn't that incredible? Because when I was talking about the daft.ie survey last week and the average rents, the average rent for Dublin was 2000 But of course, that would mean if that's the average, there'll be ones below that. But there also will be ones above that. So this lady finding obviously the area of Dublin she wants to live in, two and a half thousand are up to 2700 a month, which obviously she's decided is a crazy sum of money. So what the woman has decided to do, she's going to put all her furniture and belongings into storage and she's decided she's going to move into a hotel and she can, until she can find a suitable, cheaper location. It will be cheaper for that woman as a single person to move into a hotel and live in a hotel. Isn't 
that's just bizarre. But that's exactly where we are. That is exactly where we are at the moment. Thank you for sharing that with us, uh, Mary. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls there. And I can see questions coming in for Annalise. You can keep those coming either into John Paul or by text or WhatsApp as well. And then somebody says, Fish, any idea if the funeral allowance has been paid out this week? It is. And I actually heard Barry reference it on the news at 12. Minister for Social Protection, Heather Humphreys, has announced this is the additional fuel allowance payment it gets paid this week so starting from today anybody who gets their social welfare payment that are entitled to a fuel allowance if you get paid today if it's into your bank account or you're going to the post office you will find you have been paid an extra 100 euro there are in total 371,000 households will benefit from this additional one hundred euro and it works out just a little bit more than an additional three weeks of fuel allowance for those households and of course the government approved the additional sum of 100 euro to be paid to all households who are in receipt of the fuel uh, allowance um, they agreed it back in April but we've we've waited a while for it to come it'll cost the exchequer 37.1 million and it's to try really to offset the huge cost that's there with fuel for, for everyone and I, and I know the last number of weeks we had people saying when are we getting the extra 100 uh, euro uh, because we had somebody who was saying that they needed to get a fill of oil and they really needed that 100 euro to pay for it so from this week just to let people know as I say we had a huge amount of calls in about that in uh, recent weeks and something else if you have visitors who are planning on coming home to spend time with you and this is going to affect tourists as well car hire and the cost of car hire has literally gone through the roof now I have to say it's not just in this country this is this is happening worldwide but as with everything in this country it seems to be even more expensive in Ireland than it is anywhere else and I can speak from personal experience here because my sister-in-law and her husband and her two gorgeous children are coming home in July for the bones of three weeks from Australia and we haven't seen them since post-Covid and there's much excitement about this little family coming over for holidays. Uh, So obviously all the flights have been booked and plans are being made of things that we're going to do while she's here. But one of the things she's going to need is car hire. Now she hasn't as of yet uh, booked her car hire but I just said at the weekend I'd do a little bit of research for her trying to take a bit of pressure off her. Ah, my jaw dropped when I saw the price of renting a car. Now, in fairness, she's, they're going to need the car for three weeks. It was, I just did a quick Google search out and she's flying into Dublin Airport. Out of Dublin Airport, what would it be? The cheapest I could find would have been a very small car, like a, a sort of like a Ford Fiesta, which really wouldn't be suitable for two adults and two children because you're going to talk about booster seats and child safety seats and all of that. And plus all of their luggage. You wouldn't get, you just would not get the luggage into the boot of the car, into a Ford Fiesta. That was coming in at just over €2,000. And then I said, OK, let's go, let's go to the ideal car that they would need, which would be a bigger, you know, an SUV, a kind of a people carrier, that kind of size car, which, 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 which would comfortably seat five people, but would give them the space in the boot for, the, for their luggage. 
€8,500 was the quotes that I was looking at online. I just thought, we don't want to buy the car. She just wants to rent it, uh, hire it for three weeks. And then I opened up the papers this morning and uh, it's it's all over the papers this morning that God help the tourists coming to this country are those returned immigrants who are coming home to visit family. Many of them haven't seen family since before COVID. And this is, you know, an important holiday for so many people because the car hire prices are rocketing. And it's all to do with the rental companies have sold off a lot of their stock. A visitor picking up a mid-range car for a week in peak season in June could pay anything from up to a thousand, just over a thousand euro. That same car, if you look, roll the clock back to three years ago, that same car that comes in at 1,099 euro for one week in June, Three years ago, they could have rented that car between four and five hundred euros. So it's over doubled in price. And tourism experts are saying that there are people now who are planning their trip here who would look at the flights price. They then look at the hotel price. But now increasingly, people are starting to look at car hire prices before they're even booking the flight and the hotel because they are incredibly high. And I remember on this programme we had, I don't know if it was an email or a text in from a listener who was involved in a tourism, in a tourism product in West Cork who was starting to see how car high prices were soaring and she contacted us and this was about two months ago I think to say that she was really worried about this summer season because car high prices were so high she was fearful that people would stop coming to Ireland because like that normally people would book their flights and their hotel accommodation and then kind of the third thing is the car hire but because car hire has gone so expensive all over the world people now are starting to say I better look at the car hire first of the country I'm going to to make sure that it is you know I can afford to pay it and the danger is it'll turn people it'll turn tourists off coming to this country and they're the tourists that a lot of the smaller little tourist providers you know who provide services to tourists they are the ones that are going to be affected by uh, this and seemingly digging down into it because I tried to dig down into it over the weekend to find out what was going on the main reason to be given it seems has been given is many car hire fir- firms understandably were forced to sell off their fleet during covid because obviously tourist numbers crashed so people weren't coming here. People didn't need to hire cars. So the car hire companies were renting out fewer cars. So they were ended up with all of this fleet that obviously if they left them on the forecourts, they were getting older and older. So they needed to sell them off. So a huge number of them were sold off. So going into this tourist season, 2022, stock levels are somewhere around 50% where they would have been pre-pandemic and in rebuilding stock levels car rental companies face a lack of supply of new companies for manufacturers and that's in the wake of the pandemic there's a global car production the global car production slowed down obviously substantially during the pandemic and there's now a huge backlog of orders for new vehicles and that problem then is compounded by component supply issues for the production of the new uh, cars. So it really is a perfect storm. High demand and supply shortages have now resulted in much more expensive and fewer new cars available to the Irish uh, market. And it's going to take quite some time for car rental companies to build their stocks back up. And in the meantime, tourists 
will have to book cars early in order to try to secure the best rates. But also we could have a problem that when we get into the height of the tourist season this year, if they only have 50 percent of stock of where they were pre-pandemic, the problem is there may not even be even the expensive, even as expensive as those prices that I mentioned are, there may not even be cars available. So it really is a perfect storm. And is it going to affect the tourism season? Of course, it is. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Now there's appeal going out to the Shambally Moor community, young and old, to take part in the Shambally Moor clean up. It's on Monday nights, so it's on tonight, and they meet at the community centre at 7 pm. Tomorrow, Tuesday at 11 a.m. Tomorrow morning in Bandon Library, Rory Bunce will present a guide to the various resources available in the local studies library for the local and family historian. This will be of great benefit when researching any aspect of local or indeed your own family history. A charity bungee jump. Oh, best of luck to anybody doing that will take place at the Arches Bar in Mallow on Bank Holiday Monday, June the 6th. Proceeds are in aid of Cystic Fibrosis Ireland and the wonderful Mallow Search and Rescue Group. You can register now to take part in the charity event by contacting Emma at 086 235 1674. And as part of Cork Bike Week in Ascara Community Centre, they're hosting a community cycle for all on Wednesday next the 18th of May they start from the centre at half past six with a choice of two routes one is a 6k and for the more ambitious there's a 17k children must be accompanied by adults Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie and you can stop texting us for our competition for the Mallow Home and and Garden Festival we're waiting for John Paul we're giving him the responsibility of selecting uh, today's qualifier and by the way I can just see glancing down through some of the answers not everybody got it who this is nerves and pressure yeah and I remember my mum meeting my old fella before the game the Shelburne and I was sick with nerves like white as a sheet it's the well-known rugby player Peter O'Mahony who has a big grow for uh, gardening. And our qualifier, oh, it's just coming up on the screen in front of me, is Marie Morley from Cullen in Mallow. Congratulations, Marie Morley, Cullen in Mallow. Marie, one step closer to winning a Parma Rattan modular sofa set. We will have another well-known person who loves gardening. We'll play that tomorrow and give you the chance to uh, enter. And of course, all last week, I was mentioning that we had a huge, big competition starting here on C103 and we were all really excited to see what it was going to be because all we knew, the teaser we got was it was one legendary superstar and we were planning on sending a lucky listener to see this legendary superstar not once but twice and of course it got announced this morning it is Elton John who of course is embarking on his farewell yellow brick road it is his final tour 
and the Rocket Man is travelling the world to say goodbye. And our wonderful competition here at C103 plans to send you and a friend to see him not once but twice. You'll get to see him in Anfield in Liverpool. The date of that concert is the 17th of June. Then we get you back home and you'll be just getting over how wonderful the concert was and you'll have the excitement of knowing you'll be going back to see him in Porky Creeve in Cork on the 1st of July. So you're listening out from next Monday for the hits of Elton John. Now, it's not just one hit from Elton John. You've got to wait. When you when we play two songs together, that will be your cue to text or WhatsApp in with a chance to win. So you can experience Elton John twice. It's with Blackpool Shopping District. No gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping. It's what they do best. And from next Monday, we'll start to take qualifiers for this brilliant competition. And I really, really hope, always hope of competitions like this, that it is a genuine Elton John fan that uh, wins it. And that's going to be such an amazing tour. It's the Farewell Yellow Brick Road uh, tour with Elton John. So from next Monday, please, on that. And just wrapping up, somebody was on to say, this is on a WhatsApp, there is a gun. I mentioned the 100 euro fuel allowance, the additional 100 euro fuel allowance. That's getting paid out to the 317,000 households who are entitled to fuel allowance. That additional money gets paid out this week. That led somebody to, to Jim to say, Patricia, when are the government paying out the 200 euro towards the electricity cost? Well, a lot of people, I've certainly already had mine. I got mine about nearly two months ago now at this stage it'll come in on your bill if you didn't get it on your last bill Jim it means it'll come in on your next bill you, the, you don't get the money directly it doesn't come into your bank account for example it is your provider will get the money and then it'll be taken from your bill so when your next bill arrives you will see it'll be less than 200 euro from the uh, government you don't have to do anything about it and it is the supplier takes the money from the government passes it on to the supplier and then your account is uh, credited so your next electricity bill Jim you'll see the 200 um, off that 0818103103 and best of luck I don't know and and, well I I do know that they've got to be all local tradesmen and tradeswomen that are getting involved in the very latest DIY SOS the Big Build Ireland they are in Cork as we speak now I heard of some people that were involved with it last week and it normally runs over nine days so they must be getting pretty close to wrapping it up and we just want to wish the best of luck to everybody involved in the DIY SOS the Big Build can't wait to see this on TV and they've come to Cork to rebuild the home of 23 year old Alan Drummond and his parents Mar and Brian we actually spoke about Alan on or Adam on the programme he's a young man from Blackpool he's an accomplished basketball player he's represented Ireland he's played college basketball in the United States and sadly he suffered devastating injuries following an accident last uh, May he is a member of Neptune Basketball Club he fell from a height while in Cork last May and he was told at the time he had a 1% chance of walking again and he's now obviously uh, adjusting to life in a wheelchair and you can imagine the knock-on effects of what the home needs in order for Adam to live as independent a life as possible. So the DIY SOS team have come to rebuild the house which will allow Adam to live in the family home again because it's been unsuitable and he's been temporarily staying in a friend's ground floor apartment and he wants to go home. Of course he wants to go home. So the best of luck to all of our wonderful Cork trades people who no doubt have turned out in huge numbers and we 
will wait with bated breath uh, when we get to see that programme. It's part of the third series. I, I've no date yet as to when it's going to be shown, but the best of luck to everybody involved there. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. We are looking for questions for Annalise Drisella, nutritional therapist, please. You can text her WhatsApp in questions to 0862. 103, 103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And we're off to the Health Hub in Times Square in Ballancolic where Annalise Drissell uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. Patricia. And you are very welcome. Let's get straight into questions. Paddy was on to say, Annalise recently mentioned cannabis oil with regards to sleep. I have searched, but I'm unsure of what cannabis oil to purchase. Is there a particular name or brand that Annalise recommends? I've come across something called Udos, Dr. Udos cannabis oil, but I'm not sure if it will help me sleep or not. There's a lot of products out there, isn't there, when it comes to cannabis oil? There is a lot of products, Patricia, and some of them, I I think it's probably the HSE have, have gotten a bit better at kind of checking quality of things now. Um, but there is definitely products out there I know that have, um, they say they have X amount of CBD in there and, and when they've been tested, it isn't. So the brands that I would recommend, like we've used one here for years called Cannabi Gold, is a great one. It's spelled C-A-N-N-A-B-I-G-O-L-D, gold, and it comes in different strengths. And I know that that's as what's in the tin it is, in, is in the product because it's externally evaluated. There's another company here in our, um, Ireland called Full Circle. That's another good brand that we get good feedback on. Um, they'd be probably the two that I would be most comfortable recommending, Patricia. They'd be the ones that um, we've we've stocked for years here as well. Oh, sorry, there's one other Irish company as well, and they have a lovely product. It's called Ethos, E-T-H-O-S. That's another brand. And then the last one is Nature's Plus. They do a full hemp oil, including CBD, and that's another very high quality and they, product. And they do, Paddy, it's obviously, it's, a, it's for sleep. They do work and help for sleep. Um, so the way cannabis oil works is it binds onto your cannabinoid, endocannabinoid receptors, and it has the effect of calm, um, like that's what will help with in terms of sleep. So it brings all of your adrenaline down, makes you feel really calm. That's why it's great for stress. If you're a bit stressed and take a dose of that during the day, it just brings down all of those kind of butterfly stress hormones. So it puts you, it helps with sleep because it puts you in that very calm place. But other things, if you can't, if you can't get um, those brands, so that's the Nature's Plus, Cannabi Gold, Full Circle and Ethos are ones that we've all tried here and I can stand behind. But you might like to try Valerian as a herb. That also has the effect of reducing adrenaline and making you good and calm. We get great feedback on a product here by a company called Natural Health Practice, or NHP, and it's called Advanced Sleep Support. And it's a kind of combo of about eight different herbs that are good for calm, sleep, relaxing. And we get great feedback on that one. So that one is called Advanced Sleep Support. And then... um, uh, other things then would be things like L-theanine and lemon balm. They would be other common ones and magnesium. So go into your local health shop and just ask for the one that works for most people the best yeah, yeah. and they'll be able to help you. Okay, Anya, I'm wondering would the cannabis oil be of any use here? Anya says, hi Anneliese, what supplement is good for a foggy brain? 
people are going, and a, a lot of women of a certain age will go through foggy Absolutely. brain. Foggy brain. It's a real progesterone thing, I think, Patricia, because mostly women will experience it for the first time, either coming up to their periods or when they're pregnant. It's called pregnancy brain then. And I do think it's a progesterone thing. And of course, when you're menopausal, your estrogen is dropping. So, you, you, you know, your progesterone and estrogen will be out of balance then as well. So it's really about addressing the root cause of the foggy brain. Other causes of foggy brain would be um, actually candida, a yeast, can cause foggy brain. So candida is a yeast that lives in all of us, but it can overgrow in some people. And it uh, ferments carbohydrates and sugars into into sugar alcohols that your liver has to detoxify. So if you wake up in the morning feeling like you're hungover, if you've got the foggy brain, if you've got recurrent thrush, if you've got a lot of digestive issues, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, um, itchiness, um, that can all be linked to candida. And that's another big cause of foggy brain. So either of those would um, would need to be treated differently. So for menopausal foggy brain, you could try taking plant-based hormones or you could try HRT. If it is um, vitamin B6, 50 milligrams a day is great as well for foggy brain with the sore breasts if it's a hormonal-based one. And then if it's a candida-based one, you need to take natural antifungals um, like clove, garlic, oregano, eudoclinic acid, caprylic acid, berberine. These are all great natural antifungals. And then the last thing I'd recommend is if it's age-related foggy brain, so just getting a bit older and forgetful, the um, Revive Mastermind is excellent for that. Okay. Hi, Annalise. My son, who is 10 years old, has a very itchy back. I've taken him to the doctor and it's been diagnosed as chicken skin rash. It is very itchy. Now, I googled it because I'd never heard of chicken skin rash and it looks really itchy and very uncomfortable. I've never heard of it, Patricia. So yeah, I don't it's know. a skin condition that causes patches of rough feeling bumps to appear on the skin and it's just really itchy. Chicken skin is something I'd be familiar with. Um, chicken skin can be a sign of a, an omega-3 deficiency. So and a lot of us would be, especially kids, would be deficient because they don't like the foods that omega-3s come in, like salmon, herring, mackerel, walnuts, pumpkin seeds. So that would often be a kind of a rough um, diagnostic if you're looking at people in, in nutrition clinics. If you see that chicken skin on their arms, um, we would think, okay, have a look and see would they be omega-3 deficient so that's the first thing I would recommend is take an omega-3 fish oil especially for kids <clears throat> and the one with DHA in it is probably better for skin than the one with EPA, EPA. <clears throat> then for the itch you just want something to soothe the itch so you've got the Dr. Delish Claire she does a lovely anti-itch cream that is really good for very bad itch um, and also then the Salcura Zeoderm is another lovely one. And they do a spray if it's in a huge area, um, like a, the back, maybe a spray might be better value. So Salcura, either the Derma spray or the Zeoderm. And then take the omega-3 fats internally. Um, and that's now that's me just saying this, Patricia, on the not fully understanding what chicken skin rash is. Like if it is like a type of a dermatitis, Sometimes, actually, hemp can be very good. And the other thing that's wonderful for eczema and dermatitis-related skin is something called black seed oil. It comes from the nigella seed, which we'd often use in cooking for curries. Um, and it, it's, it needs to be cold-pressed. And you can just buy it as an oil, 
some people take it because it's like a superfood, a super oil, and you can also put it on the skin. So you could try that if it's more like a dermatitis. Okay, and and, uh, hi, Annalise. My seven-year-old keeps getting a cold sore. It takes weeks to heal, then it'll disappear, and then it'll reappear again about a week later. I've noticed his lips go purple in colour starting where when the cold sore where the cold sore was he's on animal parade vitamins daily any recommendations or anything you think I could be giving him okay so generally cold sores are as a result of the herpes simplex virus and we generally pick it up as babies when somebody with the virus kisses us kisses us and we have it lying dormant most of the time but if your immune system is busy elsewhere fighting maybe a, a cough or a cold or a bacteria that has come into your system, then that herpes simplex virus can start, you know, appearing in the, in the, in the, as a cold sore. Some people it's triggered by the sunshine. For me, I get cold sores more in the summertime than I do when I'm run down. But for most people it's wintertime and when you're run down. So what I'd suggest is to um, support the immune system and the animal parade is lovely um, as a multivitamin, but actually maybe swap over to the bio nutri elderberry complex and that's got a lot of immune boosting stuff in there but it also has some lysine in there and typically for preventing recurrent cold sores you take lysine once a day as a preventative so for an adult you'd be taking a thousand milligrams a day but for a child you'd be taking you know much less than that so maybe anything between three to five hundred milligrams a day but the bionutri elderberry complex as an immune booster has that in there as well so that would be a good one to swap over for and take that for a couple of months. And then you can also use, um, there's a cream called Biopropolis that you'll buy by Vogel, by the Vogel company. And that is a great one to put on as soon as the cold sore starts coming up or as soon as you see that purple coming up, it's a sign, if it's a sign a cold sore is coming, you can put that cream on and that is wonderful to suppress it. I find mine doesn't get as big when I use it and uh, it also heals much quicker and less likely to leave a scar. I've thankfully never had one, but they, they always look so sore on anybody else. They're very sore and yeah. also I get them now up the nose ah. um, so they don't heal for ages. So that's the worst. Um, yeah, so the, it's, it's really about prevention with cold sores. Yeah. And if you get them in the summertime more, you need to use a very high factor on your lips, like something like 50. And... Um, the Eco, Eco Balm, they do a lovely sports balm that has factor 30 that I use. And actually, I haven't had a cold sore in the summer for years I using that. Touch wood, it won't come back. Kate has been on, she's been diagnosed with low sodium. What would you recommend? So what I'd recommend there is I would put a pinch of sea salt into your glass of water and I would drink that and make sure that you salt your food properly. So sodium comes from salt, but the table salt that you buy is just literally sodium chloride, whereas if you have sea salt or rock salt, it also has calcium chloride, magnesium chloride. It's got lots of other types that come and balance the sodium out. So um, a lot of people think salt is really bad, but actually we need salt in order order to remain healthy. And if you were low in sodium, you'd be feeling very, very weak uh, and shaky, and it can be very dangerous if it goes far too low. So put a pinch of salt into your glass of water and drink that throughout the day and then make sure you salt your food. Okay, hi Annalise. Uh, jams and marmalades. You can buy jams and marmalades and it says no added sugar. Instead, sweetened with sorbitol or reduced sugar. You see written on others. What's the best one from a Mill Street listener? Um, okay, so 
I suppose the thing about jam is that it's made with sugar. Um, so if you're trying to reduce sugar, you can go for jams that are just literally made with the fruit. And that's probably the best way to go because you're not getting anything, um, any, you know, uh, unnatural sweeteners in there. So they tend to be called more butters. So you can get apple butter, apricot butter. Um, I've had strawberry butter. And really all it is is that they have used so much fruit and they have reduced it so much that it, the natural sugars make it sweet. It's never as sweet as the one with the added sugar. So um, that's probably the best one. And then natural sweeteners like stevia and uh, um, xylitol are the best ones. Now, I've tried to make jam with xylitol. It's not the best, really, to be honest with you. My own advice there is just have jam but don't have too much And yeah, jam cut, is my favourite. Cut down, cut down. Yeah, and I'd, be a, and I'd be a marmalade person, isn't that funny? And it's, I love yeah, marmalade and copying the, the, the station in copying there, Patricia, the mar- yeah. best marmalade I've ever had in my it's life. Like, it's Mary's Marmalade. Hi, hi, Mary's Marmalade. It comes yeah. highly recommended by Annalise Russell yeah. on hot butter toast. Ah, Okay, Christine in Cork wants to know what's the most effective form of turmeric supplement. She's currently taking a powder capsule and she's wondering, is there a liquid form of turmeric on the market? There is a liquid form of turmeric, but it's actually turmeric is very hard to absorb. And generally, you can, and the, the liquid one, believe me, I have one in the back that's uh, never sold in the shops. So I'm trying to take it. It's vile beyond belief. <laughs> so you're better off with a capsule. But ideally, if you want it for anti-inflammatory purposes, take the extract, which is called curcumin. Um, if you're taking turmeric as a powder or the powder in a capsule, it's best to take it with some black pepper and with some fat. So the best time to take it, I think, always is after your dinner because you're bound to use a bit of pepper and there's bound to be a bit of fat in with your dinner. Um, so the curcumin, there's various different ones on the market. I love the gal curcumin. It's a really high strength one. And it comes with that bio pairing, the extract of the black pepper that improves its absorption. I think it's up to 60 percent better, 60 times better absorbed with that in there. So gal, that's the gal curcumin. But if that would be if you want to use it as a natural anti-inflammatory. The Terra Nova do a lovely um, turmeric on its own supplement. Um, and again, that's got a few bits and pieces in there to improve the absorption of it as well. And that's probably a better one if you just want it as an insurance policy. OK, is Source of Life goals that somebody has still the best advice post-COVID? I think it depends on your symptoms, Patricia. Like the Source of Life is a great tonic for if you're feeling tired and run down and it will boost your immune system. So it'll do all of those kind of things. The Revive Active has worked better for some people and the Source of Life Gold has worked better for some people. If you're still very chesty, we've been recommending the N-acetylcysteine. And actually, a couple of our customers have said that they've been on that for their chests because of the long COVID, but they haven't had to actually start any uh, antihistamine medication with hay fever yet. So it's uh, doing a few different jobs. It's great, a great post-COVID one if there's any chestiness left over. Um, and then if the energy is really, really low, we're recommending people supplement with niacin three or four times a day. That's one of the B vitamins that's specifically good for the energy pathways within the cell. The nice thing about the Revive Active as well is that there is coenzyme Q10 in there, which is good for energy. So you're going to maybe have to try a few things to see which works the best for you. Okay, And very quickly for Mary, uh, suffering from sinus, she's noticed eating dairy. Does eating dairy affect your sinuses? She's obviously seeing a link. Without a doubt. Even if you're not um, dairy intolerant, which a lot of people are, 
um, e- eating a lot of dairy can make you very, very mucousy. So normally you do the elimination challenge test, Patricia. So cut it out for a period of 10 days completely. Be very strict. Use rice milk, almond milk, oat milk, etc. And then on the 10th day, have a big glass of milk. What you should see is that the mucus clears up during the 10 days. And when you drink the glass of milk, some people might even find it'll affect their bowels as well. And that's a good indicator that you're intolerant. Yeah, it's a great, great way of doing it. Annalise, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and we'll chat next Monday. Thanks, Thanks a million. That is Annalise Drussell and all of the information that we've spoken about. Annalise will put up on our website this afternoon, healthhubstore.com, as heard on the radio. And John Paul will put it up as a separate podcast on C103. That's where I've got to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 to the I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.